Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Scott or Victor Sigma.info, and I have officially been dubbed by chat the dastardly villain of beard scratching. Correct. <laughs> and, by, Someone, and by me. Yes. Uh, somebody actually did say that in chat. It happens to be my wife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, we're back, and... Uh, because our last episode ran for a bazillion hours, uh, we never got into the second half of our completed Siege 2 evaluation, I guess, or the conclusion to the hot take segment. But before we get into that, there was actually a, a couple of interesting news items that have come up in the last few days. And I guess there'll be old news by the time you hear this on other media. Yeah. In fairness, yeah. And we already covered some of it already in other media, but that's okay. Yes. I mean, well, speaking of that, because that kind of segues right into things, um, in case anybody's unsure what we're talking about, the big news recently was what has been officially dubbed Energon Edition Wave 1, or Wave 1 Energon Edition. I'm not sure exactly. I probably should double-check that. Um, so this is a set of reprints specifically alternate art reprints among a bunch of other things in one i don't want to say all inclusive but boxed set and as scott had mentioned we did do a quick write-up over on vectorsigma.info got a bunch of our thoughts on it and i'm going to openly admit that i missed a major portion of this when i wrote it up and i realized it today as i was putting everything together for the overlay specifically that you get a box of wave one included with all of this effectively. Yes. Which it, well, then Scott, you're laughing because <laughs> you know what I was talking about offline. I'm like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. Like I can see the value in the cards based on the secondary market and all this stuff, but I didn't know you also got a box in addition to it. So that certainly changes things for me. If anybody has read my description of it, you can kind of throw it away and replace it with, yeah, this seems really awesome. Good. Yeah. I'm assuming you're of the same opinion, Scott. You're going to run I out mean, and buy I'm, 10 of these? I don't know about 10. But, <laughs> um, probably, probably so you're saying 15. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 10 isn't enough. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I've had a lot of offline conversations about this over the last mm -hmm. week. Um uh, essentially, I don't, un I don't see, like, how do I explain this? Like, I guess it, I don't see the negative value in it at all. I mean, like, clearly it's a good deal, quote unquote. Um, oh yeah. But, but I, I, I guess, uh, some people have just said it, it's like, it's a good deal if you have a way to to not care that you, these are some of these are duplicates to what you already have or like you, you, you like old arts or I mean to be fair the art is awesome mm -hmm. and the uh not to digress too much from your point but I really like the new card layout I don't want to say that I like it better than the standard one but there's something very pleasing about just the framing of the entire card the character cards at this point uh, it's something I have to get used to. Um, I also are, are. I think both sides are foil. That's what people um, were saying. Yeah, I think as well as we're going to get it's on a different 
well, it's plastic. It's not card stock for the character cards. And then we're getting right. foil uh, battle cards for the first time, which is also really cool. There, there's a bunch of unique things that, as I mentioned in my write-up, and it's these are all things that I expected would hit the available or would be available at some point in time. And I think it's cool to debut it in this fashion. Yeah, I just assumed it'd be like prizes or something like that, but I'm definitely yes. cool with it, it being this way. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the value on it is just incredible. I mean, I think I calculated it out to be like the secondary market value is like close to $500. Mm-hmm. Um, I could easily see that, yeah. So... Especially uh, as I Wave mean, 1 has become... The, the, like, the set itself is becoming more scarce. It's it's well, not exactly uh, easy to just show up and get it. I'm pretty positive it's technically sold out at the distributor level. Right. Um. So any stores that you see, like, that still have it are just... It's the product they ordered and didn't haven't sold yet. So... Hmm. But at the distributor level, it's, it's sold out and or more than MSRP. So... Um, at what are you... Well, not, MS, not MSRP, but, like, whatever you would normally get product of that at that level four so right um and it still contains all your staples um the foil cards aren't the most stately of staples but like yes <laughs> um but you're getting a box so i mean for a for a for a player just trying to get into it or, or one that doesn't own everything um it's a great value now that I mean, like i would yeah so. good sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i mean i would buy it anyway because i like all the old arts so yeah you know I'm definitely now considering it given the the additional value, and I think what you brought up is important because that was something specifically that I had mentioned in my write-up prior to realizing that there's other parts of this on top of what we already saw, that I think I could, if somebody came up to me at a tournament and said, wow, you guys are playing Transformers, I love those, blah, 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 you know, how, what's the best way to get into the game? And this is, yeah, it... At, $200 it's a a significant price tag but if you're going to if you're in the gaming hobby whether it's card games it's board games it's other games that's not exactly outside the realm of possibility you know you could see somebody dropping that amount of money to really get into something and this gives you a significant base because you're guaranteed these specific characters several of which are playable you're probably going to fill out play sets of battle cards between what they provide and what you're going to open. You get these sweet boxes and damage counters and all this stuff. Like It feels like a very all-encompassing package that you can just say, yeah, that thing, go start with that. That'll give you a baseline. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're, I mean, two of these characters are extremely hard to get. So, I yep. mean, you know, and then uh, the others have all seen play in mostly in some shape or form so uh, right yeah and since i don't know no downside to me so exactly and i think because you can you know it was even mentioned that things like starcher engines are and you've said these are some staple cards that you could easily dive into something have something reasonable that you can at least play around with knock around with at local events and then get your feet wet as you progress so that now you have a baseline for, okay, what am I even doing in this game? Cause that can be the most, one of the most daunting things for somebody starting out is not just, okay, I got to learn to play the game. I got to find a place to play. I got to learn how to play the game within the confines of a tournament or other event on top of it. Well, where, how do I even start building a deck or what, what characters do I even want to start with? This gives you a very firm rock to stand on. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So, and, and I know that that was something that has been repeated by the Wizards of the Coast team across a number of media uh, solicitations, I guess, or media output recently, as well as before. Yeah, agreed. So, um, anything else you want to add about the Energon edition? I like the box. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. No, yeah, I would just challenge anyone that feels like it's a... Uh it's expensive or, or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I can tell you is, I mean, the, the target audience for this to me is like people that don't own Slipstream and Cliff Jumper, people that like all arts. Um, I mean, it, this is not a product you are quote forced to buy as like a tournament player. They're, they're ultimately you could already own all this stuff. Yeah. It's all supplemental for the most part. Yeah. I just feel like if you, if you only need like quote, quote need or want a portion of it i'm sure you can trade sell whatever absolutely other parts away and then make your money back if not more on the individual parts so keep that in mind yeah the fact that they are alternate art there's always going to be a even for things like your cargo trailers (laughs) the simple fact that it has alternate art means that there's going to be a market for it and that's something to keep in mind i mean even the damage counters people might like just because of the way the dice look. Um, as I said, I personally like the box. I th- I think everything is very well put together and very aesthetically pleasing for me. I do love the the new art. I talked about the frames. Um, I especially now that I have a little more information that I just straight up missed <laughs> the first time around. I'm a lot more enthusiastic about it. Good. I. Uh, I especially, to be honest, I think I love the Megatron art, but I I like most of the Megatron art across all the Megatrons. It's just, it's too bad I can't find a home for Megatron at the <laughs> moment, but I guess you can't have everything. <laughs> no, but it's, it's still good, uh, still good in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, so this is, this is really cool, and I am actually hoping that we see more of these. The, the name kind of implies that we'll get eventually a Wave 2 Energon edition or a Wave 3 Energon edition, that et cetera, down the line. And I think it's a good way to, again, help new onboarding people trying to play catch-up where it's, okay, here's a taste of some of the old stuff, and you don't necessarily have to buy 50 boxes or shell out for singles that are steadily increasing, I guess, on some fronts. Some, they're, I guess, it's getting saturated, but... Uh, yeah, um... I, I want to see what this does, I, and I, I was actually, I, I think we have probably reached a point where we can do a whole entire show on the secondary market, and I, we can probably talk more about it there, but I'm curious yeah. to see what the what the impact is. I think it'll be good to check in on that topic in a few weeks after this is hit, you know, full distribution uh, to see where things go, because obviously the the speculative nature of it now, of everybody trying to figure out exactly what you were just saying is going to probably send prices all over the place for a little while. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to add about this particular piece, Scott? Nope. Sounds good. Then we'll move on from Energon Edition to one of the other notes that kind of snuck in there, I guess. I was out of loop for a little bit for the last few days, but uh, this actually was discovered, or I'm sure a lot of people saw it, but I saw it tweeted out by uh, Landon at TCG Rollout that John Shork said, one more note, if I may, we have our slate pretty well set through next year and rotation is not on it. So that's probably as firm of an answer as we can possibly get. Uh, 
that we're not going to be seeing rotation in 2020, which I think a lot of people were looking towards, not necessarily looking forward to, but just, well, this is a thing that's going to happen eventually. When's that other shoe going to drop? So is this expected for you, Scott? Like, do you think we they should be doing it sooner? Or do you have any opinions either way? Or is it just, it's a thing, this is what they said the rules are? Well, I mean, the regular part of me would say the latter, but I mean, honestly, like two years is not a long time. So like, right. Uh, I don't, I don't, I think it's fine. Uh, I mean, I think, I think we just have to, I think we just have to see whether or not there's, there's, there's an effect of like too much natural power creep where just the cards just keep getting better because there's just more of them or there's, mm-hmm. um, like they just outright get replaced because of deck sizes or character limitations or right. whatever. And I, I just, I, I just have faith that basically, so it's hard to say, for example, you know, siege one and siege two are sets that were created and presumably play tested and everything together. So half our format was created together. The other two sets kind of stand on their own, but I don't see there's any reason why, a set or two from now, they're not revisiting something that has existed through like waves one and two that kind of like re- as far as mechanics it. you're talking about. Yeah, like you know, like we if you go back, I don't even know if you still can like go back and listen to really old like you know as we were reviewing some of those waves, you know we you know we kept saying things for example like you know oh we have to wait to see if there's combiner only battle cards and there aren't mm. but there, there's no reason that like like as soon as if they would make like, you know, a subset of a set in the future that was focusing on that, for example, um, you know, that would revitalize players that hadn't played with some of the wave two cards for a while. And, right. you know, if they, if they, if they focus again on more like, you know, tribal cards, you're going to have the tribes from wave one come through again. Like there, there's ways to basically avoid that power creep type situation just by having cards that constantly revitalize the format so i i don't have an issue with it at all mm. um i think it may probably, be oh sorry I, I mean i think just some characters just aren't going to see play because they're just not as powerful as other options i don't think rotation is going to change that so right i mean it could depending on obviously where you cut off and then what the, the supplemental sets at that point but yeah there there is kind of a benchmark and some characters or cards may just not be tall enough to ride the ride no matter how no matter what changes yeah, uh, true. those those cargo trailers probably are not gonna <laughs> be getting there anytime soon well, you love cargo trailers. well i mean it, it was the i don't know why that was the first thing i saw on the list so um <laughs> but anyway i i assume some of this is coming from players or groups of players that said oh well magic does it this way or this other game does it that way so therefore we should expect that transformer is going to follow follow the same formula that doesn't necessarily have to be the case they've obviously played around with a number of different things and i don't know maybe the whatever the standard format type two for those of you that remember that um for transformers stealing the terminology from Magic where it's the most recent sets are available for tournament play, and then there's a different format for everything or other subdivisions. 
maybe that's eight sets. Maybe that's 12 sets. Maybe it's not going to just be six, which clearly by this statement, it's not going to be. So we'll have to wait and see where it's going to end up or whether they do some other interesting, you know, manipulations of how the sets are going to be grouped, what's legal, when, and how. Since we have the option, obviously setting the precedent with our previous topic of Energon Edition, it's possible that for them to, on the regular, reintroduce specific cards from old sets, which maybe gives them more room to play around with what's legal for a given tournament format. Right. Block formats we've discussed in the past, things like that. So. Exactly. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of room, and I don't think anybody should go in expecting that it has to be a specific way. And I hope people aren't out there married to the idea where we're expecting that, oh yeah, as soon as we hit sect six, you better get ready to, to unload everything because the new stuff is coming in, the old stuff is going out or anything like that. Right. Um, it, it's interesting that, and I appreciate that they are putting this out here this early because the team on the whole, we've said this before, has always been very very good with communication and they've been very upfront with how they feel about certain things and explaining their thought processes and shout out to the team again, like I said, for, for putting this out here ahead of schedule. So it heads off the inevitable as we get closer to, to set five, set six, well, when's rotation, when's rotation, when's rotation. Now we, we know we got a while so everybody can just focus on well, what are the cards in the set, not what cards are we losing? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about the fact that it's like the shelf life of the Energon Edition is why this even became a topic because it never really entered my mind. But I guess mm -hmm. that makes some sense. Like you wanted, if you're going to spend the money to buy something like this, you wanted it to be around for more than, I don't know, let's just say a year or something like that. So right. it definitely makes sense that I guess they addressed it, but I didn't even, hadn't even thought about it being a concern, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's not something that really was on my radar, but it I was coming at it from a different angle as well. But I, I can understand the potential concern for anybody out there is like, oh, yeah. well, I'm going to jump in. Well, that's a lot to drop on something that I'm only going to get, quote unquote, only a year out of, which yeah. is still a long time when you think about it for mm -hmm. for a lot of cards. But that's a different topic. So I think it's cool that, again, that they're bringing this up. I think it's important for people to take note. It looks like this was originally found on Facebook, so I don't know yep. where it I saw. I saw the original. Okay. Yeah. Was it just like buried in something else? Was it in direct response to that question? I saw the follow-up, obviously, when it got tweeted out, but I didn't see where the origin was. Somewhere in one of the many concerned threads about Energon Edition. <laughs> I, I, I think I've said it before, but Scott knows this. I cannot stand Facebook, and that's why I was so excited when they moved all of the articles and stuff off of Facebook. So it gave me even less reason to have to go on there. So I get to avoid all the drama that ends up happening on there because it seems like that's all that ever happens on Facebook, whether it's Transformers related or not. <laughs> um, but anyway, so back to this specific thing. What was that? I lost, I lost what you were commenting. Sorry. Oh, uh, that's all right. I was just saying that the Facebook seems to be the uh, the fountain of youth as far as drama is concerned. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but anyway, so anything else specifically on set rotation or anything related to? I guess we'll call it an announcement. No, no. I'm looking forward to everything. Yeah. yeah, there's really not much other than to say they put it out there. So <laughs> we'll we'll move on from there. So. We're going to try and do this without taking a thousand years, folks, but we're going to talk about some of the highlights from the battle cards. Now, I broke them up again. It's really 
mercenary cards and then non-mercenary cards is the is the break point. So I took Scott's list that he had sent me. I think I added one thing. I actually set this up last week, expecting that we were going to get through all the character cards. I don't know what the hell I was thinking because there was no chance that was going to happen. Um, so we'll we'll dive into the battle cards. First one up is Acute Reflexes, which was one of the first ones that we talked about when we first started getting reveals. And at the time, we were, if I recall correctly, and Scott, correct me, we were both pretty positive about it, but we're kind of in the realm of, I don't know if this is going to make it because it does a lot of useful things, but it doesn't seem to be quite useful enough. It seems to have uh, justified itself. Would you say so, Scott? Yeah, for some reason, we thought plus one, plus one as a, let's just assume you are always getting it, like wasn't good enough for some reason. So yeah. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. But... Well, I, I think part of it was we we were fine and I don't know, I didn't go back and listen to remember exactly what we said, but I think it was more along the lines of like, we didn't know how consistently you could ensure you have this, but yeah, plus one, plus one in the utility slot as close to all the time as you can have is pretty good. It wasn't just that it was some, for some reason I I woke up one day. I don't, it must've been like, this was like a month ago or something like that. And I'm like, what it actually does is turns the first white that you flip into whatever side of combat you're on. Like, if you think about it that way, and mm-hmm. the fact that, like, I guess I just hadn't thought about the fact that, like, well, you're getting a white, so you're automatically flipping two battle cards anyway. But right. the thing when you flip a white now is basically, like, you're basically trying... We'll, we'll put doubles aside for a second. But, like, say your deck was all single, whatever, and whites. You're basically trying to net three out of the out of the the white you're trying to get two more of the color right and and you know so you're basically plus one again not counting doubles um which is obviously not a real thing it, the numbers usually work out even better than that but, but at, at its basis you're trying to get to from two to three essentially well this takes you from two to four because the white also gives you the the attack or defense and like when i started to really like say like oh well that's literally a hundred times hundred percent better than not <laughs> doing it. Um, there was really like, this is like, and I'm getting focus out of the deal. Like, yeah, to even to help me get there. So then I started modeling it and it's, it's just way better than, than not. It's just way better than anything else at this point. Yeah. Like other than, unless you actually are playing a deck that like, needs a specific utility or wants a specific utility like i'm yes. pretty sure you should try to find room for these as as your utility of choice or like you know unless your deck like somehow doesn't need it because it for some reason the characters you're using somehow doesn't interact with focus well like mm-hmm. there are certain examples but yeah i mean it isn't an insignificant cost that you do need to ensure that you're going to be triggering this because while focus one is strong you do as we were saying, you do want the plus one, plus one. That's the, maybe not the, it, I'm going to say it's more important than the focus, but the focus is still really important. I don't, I'm not really sure how to phrase it, but we'll leave it at that. It's still, you're still giving something up because you have to take that into consideration when you're deck building. But yes, compared to where we were before, I'm definitely a much bigger fan of this card now, uh, especially after, some of the things that you just outlined and you'd explained offline previously about it. Yeah. It's just getting the two extra cards. It, it, it just hadn't clicked in my head because I'm so used to like, you know, things like 
you know, Skywarp having to worry about like a blank or XYZ character having to worry about this or like, you know, thermal weaponry worrying about a different, you know, the off color nature of the cards and not ever thinking that like, oh, well, white's are just going to give me two more colors. It's like, yeah, but two more cards, but like, yeah, but now you're actually also getting something out of the deal. So, yes. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's, if you build your deck correctly it, and you, and you, you have no other utility you definitely want to play, this one is, Pretty much does everything you want it to do. Yeah. So. And it's, you had mentioned a few times in previous shows that this is unofficially a white pip theme set because a lot mm-hmm. of things play into it. And it's just, you know, right from the beginning when we first got this, that it was setting the tone for the entire set that you need to consider this as your deck building. Yeah, agreed. So, uh, Let's go from there to Composite Armor, which was, I guess, somewhere in the middle. Uh, And it's been a while since we had the opportunity to talk enthusiastically about tanks. Uh, Sure. I mean, I'm struggling to think, I guess, Hunker Down was the last time. (laughs) And this card, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the thing that like this is where everything turns around for tanks but if you're running a tank like a worthwhile tank any of the as i said earlier i want to play megatrons here's a really good reason this is going to influence things i'm i'm very anxious to see if it's going to have as big a splash as i think it will yeah what i like is how it seemingly combos with so many different cards so yeah I mean, this turns... I mean, it's a grenade launcher on Demolisher. Like, let's start there. Like, that's obviously the, <laughs> yeah. the best target for... Assuming you're playing in a heavily orange deck. Of um, course. So I, I assume mean, you're not you playing have, Demolisher in blue. That's <laughs> going to get weird. I mean, you have some blue, like, hunker down and things like that. But let's yes. just say... So, like, if your turn is hunker down this and, I don't know, draw two cards and also play a grenade launcher, like... And, you know, like, it, that's not inconceivable considering the number of cards that you will see in a deck like that. And, like, you know, then you're getting basically, like, essentially plus eight um, before yeah. you even start flipping the um, initial six that he flips normally. Right. So, I mean, that's the obvious and most powerful application of this. But, I mean, there's there's other... There were two good tanks in the set with Lord Megatron and Impactor. So, I mean, they're, there are just better tanks nowadays. And, and this is, this card plays double duty on offense and defense. Absolutely. Um, like, I even forget that it has the black pip thing on defense. Like, like trust I me, forget I forget that a lot. Yeah. But it, <laughs> so, so. I, it's like, it does enough positive things. You don't necessarily have to have that, but it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It, uh, so, like, there's, Opportunity for more damage there on defense, mm. which is rare. So, I mean, this pretty much does everything you want it to do, assuming you can find a home for it. I can't imagine any deck with. I, I don't. I if you're playing an orange focused deck for and for some reason like Demolisher is your only tank, I still think it's powerful enough just for its pips and for what just how powerful it is on him. I just don't think it's going to be as powerful unless you can find a successful tank-based aggro list. With two tanks, or more, obviously. Uh, yeah, agreed, agreed. I mean, I agree with you about this singular, because somebody had, had asked this offline, talking about, uh, just in general, I guess, where the conversation kind of drifted towards singular 
characters in a tribe. So like a single tank, do you run composite armor? A single whatever, do you run whatever the tribal card is? And I agree with you that I think this is worth running, especially in an aggro shell, that you landed on your tank. Great. You do fantastic things. You don't. You're running bashing shields. You're running other things. The card can turn into a live card in other scenarios. It's not this intensely awful drawback that it it is for a single character. So in a number of lists that only have one Optimus, you still run Ion Blaster. Now, granted, there's a number of other reasons why it's there. It does unique things. It's blue, blah, blah, blah. But it's a similar principle where you can find uses for those cards, even if they technically can't be, well, it wouldn't technically, they wouldn't be able to be played if your only tank got eliminated. You know, it's not, you're drawing blanks later in the game necessarily. If it's your main character, I agree. I just don't know how easy it's going to be to fit it in if, like, you have, a like, a 4Y random aggro deck and Demolisher happens to be in it type of thing. But, right. Um, it's it just... It's the combo potential with this that makes it so... It's, it's the ability with Hunker Down to get out of the, the scrap. Well, of course. It's so powerful, so... I think the numbers on this are, you know... It, if we talk about grenade launcher just having a four there, well, there's there's four stats there. It has two pips. It has another ability, and only one drawback. So the, mm-hmm. just yep. from a sheer numbers perspective, it seems to be in this card's favor. And I mean, I, I've been I tried playing tanks at the very first Transformers event that I played in that was constructed. It didn't go well back in wave one. I'm hoping that changes now because the this card seems like it, it's putting them on the spot. Yeah, and like I said, there's two perfect tanks to fit within the set, so... Absolutely. Yeah, I'm expecting big things out of tanks. Don't disappoint me, guys. Come on. Uh, Anything else for composite armor, Scott? No, it's very solid. So, one that I added that I don't think was on your list, Scott, was Medic's Protective Field. Um, I felt obligated to call it out because this is additional force fields in the blaster deck. Like I felt like I... I was responsible. I had to do it. So I put it on the list. I mean, you'll see play because of that. I mean, any that, that's probably the end of it, <laughs> to be honest, from there. But uh, like I said, I, I felt obligated that it had to be there. I mean, I actually really like it. Sort of. Um, like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a bold <laughs> statement there. <laughs> well, how do I say it? Like, I wish it was utility. I don't like. The, I hate the fact that well, it's armor because it doesn't have any numbers on it. Um, I mean, it, you could make the same argument if it was in the utility spot. A lot of utilities now are they're at least giving you a plus one attack. I mean, that's fair. It's just it's safeguard is a very easy ability to get around, and by making an armor, you're making it even easier to get around. For example, yeah. Um, like I really like this card with Detritus. Uh, like putting on detritus can can just really cause your opponent to have a lot of insignificant turns. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, it's very easy for them to just get around safeguard by using any out of any direct damage ability card, anything like that before combat, and then mm-hmm. so you can't. It's it's very difficult to rely on. I like the ability as something like oh, by the way. Uh, on your first attack, you have to attack my guy that has safeguard. He's only going to take three. Um, 
but the combat potential with Detritus is so high that like I think you can you can veer into that territory because you have because I think and we talked about this last time that we really got into it with Safeguard was I mean every time any time you can actually get the ability to go off beyond that first time is 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 just it's just hugely impactful. I mean it's basically if that happens, I feel like you got to be winning that game. I mean, there are scenarios where you won't, but you'd be hard pressed to lose a game where you're getting multiple safeguards out of this, or multiple safeguards. Same, period. Yeah, out of the same character. Yeah, agreed. So, like, I like it with the combo potential with Detritus. Um, I just have to find a way to, I don't know, avoid the direct damage conundrum, but it, that may or may not exist, or may not even matter. I don't know. Well, the. It, I'm going to stick to the, the Ramhorn slash bolster side of things because that solves a lot of the things that you were just proposing it, it just by virtue of, okay, well, I, I get it out there in an unexpected manner. And I anticipate that's probably, well, we'll definitely see people running that because it's just the obvious answer. The quantity of them, like, do you play five quote unquote force fields or do you play six or is it just four or where that ends up being because you will be trading like it sounds fantastic oh i'm playing an orange mirror i'll load up on six force fields and three bolsters and now you have nine cards that don't help you push damage yes they're white pips or orange pips but that could cost you where instead of being able to play two cards to get their double digit health character you know it doesn't have to be grenade launcher, reckless charge. It could just be erratic lightning supercharge or whatever. Insert other action and upgrade that boost your guy. If you don't have both, you might not be able to get there on a double digit health yeah, double digit health character, or maybe even a smaller one, depending on other bizarre factors. Because you happen to draw a handful of bolsters and protect uh, medics fields or force fields and you can't quite get through everything. It's, I'm very interested to see how that shapes up. I know what I'm going to be trying initially. And I've, I've, as I said, I was compelled to put it on here. I felt it was worth talking about. No, I, I like, yeah, I, I really like what Detrus. So, yeah. So we'll move on from our medic to another card that actually got some, some spotlight today in an official article, and that is Overwhelming Advantage. And I know you were excited about this card, Scott, but um, are you still excited about it? <laughs> I just need to understand how it interacts with uh, armaments. Uh, the new sabotaged armaments you're referring to, the secret yeah. action? Yeah. That is going to be... I can see the argument on both sides, one where it's going to completely kill this strategy and one where it doesn't and i am 100 percent confident that we're going to find out tomorrow yes because that's <laughs> that's how it works yes. uh i mean we to be fair we knew that the faq was coming out tomorrow so a little bit it's on us but yeah we it's tough to go too far into this without knowing what the interaction is let's assume for the positive that it will not just crush overwhelming advantage do you see that this is actually a player or do yeah. you think this is actually a player if yes if that's the case then yes and if not we're <laughs> we're back to the drawing board i don't see the the it's 
I don't. I think it is actually impossible to get off if you, if it if it does not work that way. Mm. Well, I mean, they could always just not draw it. Sure, fine. <laughs> That's always so the for, great thing going into a match. Just well, if they just don't draw their good cards, I guess I win. I mean, you have to build your deck around it. So I mean, like mm. if if it if it's that easily disruptable, then it, it just doesn't work. Um. Mm. So I mean. I don't remember this list. I have to assume Armaments is on this list, right? <laughs> I mean... Oh, yeah, it's later in the... Yeah, it's... <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so, I, I mean... This is a powerful enough effect to veer an entire deck around it, which is what I like about it, um, mm. because it's it's a payoff that uh, is well worth it to me, and when it was first previewed we had these really wacky like you have to you these are the upgrades you have to have i was more obviously concerned about the upgrades than i was like the flipping the colors because i think that's the quote easy part mm. um but since then we've just had many many playable cards printed that allow this to happen and yeah I'm, like even for example composite armor came out after that there were a bunch of things right. that said well i guess these go together <laughs> right so, I've held off on, I mean, I have a deck scratched out on my notepad, but it was very early on. So, like, um, you know, I, there, there are now just a plethora more playable cards that make this work. And at the same time, also, I think, make the deck not, I don't know what you want to call it, but, like, not... Not terrible if you don't draw it, or not terrible if you can't get it off because it's, you're just basically as a plan B. Yeah, I mean, you're, the cards in there are not terrible; they're just not as good by nature of like having to play certain pips. So, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I think I think if everything works out, you know, if you if you find a way to be able to play more than one in a turn, which should not be hard to do, um, and if you can find a way to flip easily, which, you know, now we have a bold card that's orange-black. So, for example, there we are. You know, that helps that situation. So, um, yeah. So, I, I think it's, assuming the ruling works out, I think it, this is this is pretty playable. Yeah, it... I guess if it isn't actually a Megatron card, at least we have a card directly featuring Megatron that could be mm-hmm. good, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of cards in Megatron that yeah, are that... really good, so... That's fair. Um, this one is pretty exciting. I I appreciate the exchange that was going back and forth on Twitter for what the deck name would be called, and naturally it's all sound effects. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that if this becomes a thing. Uh, it was also interesting in the article where they were... I think it was Ken Nagel that wrote it. I just read it this afternoon. I already forgot. Yeah, well, um, it was, yeah. And he was describing where it, it started out with just straight up KOing a guy and then it moved to, I think he said 10 damage or, or uh, down to 25 and then went all the way down to 10 and then back to 15. It was just interesting to see how it it bounced around before it found, I guess, the sweet spot for where it exists now. Uh, but really, like you said, until we know precisely how that ruling is, which if you're listening to this, on a, sure it's, already other. Yeah. it's probably already resolved and uh, this is going to sound very silly. But think of it as a... Uh, a point in time reference that you can come back and say, well, I knew all along. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll move on to the card that you were actually alluding to there in sabotage armaments, which 
blew both of us away when it first was revealed. Are you still as excited about this, Scott? I mean, obviously you put it on the list, so I know the answer, but tell me how excited you are about this. I mean, it's, I still think it's one of the top two cars in the set. So, um, I was actually thinking today as I was brainstorming other stuff. And since we're on the eve of the set actually coming out physically and I'm like, wait, was it a rare? Because no, I was like, uncommon. man, I'm going to, yeah. And then I'm looking at it now and it's an uncommon and it's still amazing to me. Um, this card, it, it, I, I think a lot of people may call it a counter spell, but I'm looking at it as it's, it's now, this is this game's version of removal. I mean, it's obviously indirect, but, uh, I still feel that this is going to be format defining. Yeah. I mean, this is more powerful than that. Even, I mean, what, if you look at all the secret actions that are um, coming out in this set, a lot of them are playable. Mm-hmm. And sort of. I mean, a lot of them are playable, but honestly, a lot of them kind of do the same thing, which is trying to deny as much of your opponent's turn as possible. Um, this is the one... I guess... I guess technically this and... What's the... Is it blowout or something like that? The one that like all the oranges and blacks that they flew over too many cards like doesn't do anything or whatever. Oh, um, I want to say overheat, but that might overheat be a different or blowout. Card. I forget what it's called. Yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah, whatever it's called. It's the the new dampening field thing you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, but like their their initial like all that does is kill the flips. So if they are leaning heavy only in that strategy, you you shut off like. If they went Power Punch Supercharge, for example, you shut off two cards. And right. so all they're attacking you now with is your initial attack, and then you have, uh, presumably, a decent defense, and you cancel out a lot of their turn. You know, if you play... Uh, what's the the tough three one? Uh, hidden Fortifications? Yeah, you're... That's the most generic. You're just basically trying to counter whatever your opponent did in their turn by having more defense than their attack. Pretty basic. Right. Um, it's it's like playing an armor, but less vulnerable. So this card has the most potential to actually do even more than those, if you can imagine, because if your opponent, in a typical strategy prior to this uh, set, there were a lot of turns where your turn was like, uh, I... I am playing this action in order to get an upgrade. And an upgrade was typically a weapon. So if you treasure hunt into a grenade launcher and you walk into armaments that destroys the grenade launcher, you essentially just took your opponent's entire turn. Like, I know they got an attack, but it's presumably worse. Um, It may actually do nothing, especially given... I mean, yes, you would have, as the defensive deck, invested your action, but if they did that... And you already had an armor, so they didn't play a Bastion Shield because they played their weapon. Or they did others. You know, you'll you'll have other things that combined with your flips, your opponent may just literally bounce off. Right. So this one has the, of all of them that are coming out that, again, essentially do a lot of the same thing, which is trying to deny as much of your opponent's turn as possible. You know, compared to Infiltrate, compared to um, Jam Signals, things like that. Like, this one has the most potential to just literally blank your opponent's entire turn. Right. So I won't use the phrase, but 
Um, <laughs> so, so, I, and this is, so this to me will be just the best one of all of them. The fact that it destroys all weapons means things like, you know, the double shockwave blasters. I was real excited about Spinister for a very short (laughs) period of time, let me tell you. And then we saw this card, and I'm like, well, that's awkward. Yeah. Um, There there was actually, so along the Spinister lines, there was a, a period of time as we were still getting reveals that... I was looking for characters that could carry two weapons to try and combat all the things you were just describing. And this definitely influenced greatly which things were still viable options because, sure, you could Spinister or some of these other cards, other characters into I'll have a bazillion attack and then you just get blown out by this and the game probably ends on the spot. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised this was like, I mean... I understand why this exists. Uh, it, it basically exists because too many games were just suit up a guy, random. No it didn't matter who, yeah. Ability guy, and then and, and, and move on with life, and, and this prevents that strategy. So, um, and I think that's where they wanted to. I think they in a character based game, you need the characters to be um, differentiated from one another, and, and a card like this existing will help push that. Gotcha. So. Chat's giving us an update on something. Dan's in here saying that there were rules announced during the recording because that's us. <laughs> uh, he said he shared it to Facebook already, so Scott doesn't need to worry about that. But I don't know which that he's referring to because there is a delay. Uh, I'm sure he'll chime in in a second and correct me. But um, yeah, the, as far as Sabotage Armaments goes, it, this card definitely changed a good portion of what I was thinking. There's a large update. All right. I'm going to try and skim this while we're, uh, <laughs> we're taking a look. It's fine. Um, if we, if we can catch it and squeeze it into this one, we, we definitely will folks. If not, you'll definitely hear from us about it. So, uh, anything else you want to add for armaments before we moved on, Scott? Uh, no, it's insane. Yeah. This card seems really strong. I, I can't imagine anything blue is not going to be running it because, I can't think of a matchup where it's dead. Even against other right. blue stuff, it's like, oh, blow up your energon axe. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, this update is exactly what we asked for. Defining the turn sequence, things like that. So this is great. Ooh, but nice. I'm not going to read too much about it. But Okay. Um, I guess that'll explain slow. our overwhelming advantage question momentarily. I mean, not directly. Like, that specific example is on here, but I'm sure if I... Well, we would be able to five minutes and thought about it. Exactly. We could figure it out because now we'll know exactly when certain things activate. Yeah. So I'm glad that that is finally released because that has been a, a challenge in some of these oddball scenarios. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let's move on to sturdy javelin, which was again, another late reveal in the entire spoiler season. And I think the the last one. Yeah. I think it was actually the very last card. And it was a good one to close up shop on because uh, this is another card that I don't want to, it's not at the level of, oh my God, how could they possibly print this card? But this card is seems really strong. <laughs> like it, it's, I guess maybe it, it's a half above where it should be so it's because you can't have half numbers or anything as we talked about before 
it ends up being above the curve, but not like obscenely above, I guess. Um, where do you stand on this thing? Do you think it's obscenely above the curve, Scott, or do you think it's just merely, merely really good? I think it's obscenely above the curve. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it. as I'm thinking about it, it's there again, like we were talking about with the Q reflexes, it's not as though there are no drawbacks. You, you do, you're going to be wanting running eight range characters anyway, but are the range characters ones that you're going to want to expend your upgrade to be able to plasma burst most of the time? Yes, but it's not strictly, oh yeah, I'm going to blindly slam this, I don't think. Or do you think it is that blind? If it's the character you're about to attack with, it seems like you should just slam it, but I don't know. I mean, is the I, if, if we want to say the only detriment to the card is that the character has to be attacking, then that's the same detriment there is for any, any weapon. Fair. Uh, th- that is so, true. So I don't I don't know what the I don't know what the negatives at all. It just I mean I I really like this card, so I'm trying to find things to to balance it out so it isn't just us gushing about it. To be honest, but um, there are certain aggro characters that are melee, and so that's the negative about it is that they don't like it. The plus two is really really underpowered. I mean, you're getting a white primary laser, which I guess is better than a blue primary laser in a aggressive deck so i guess I mean, there, yeah so there is there is you know if if one of your attackers is melee or yeah yeah may, like i mean i think in aggressive yeah. decks you're gonna want to be playing the decision point is erratic lightning versus this like say you that aggressive tank deck that we were discussing earlier the tanks are primarily although demolisher right. i think is melee in bot mode but a lot of them are ranged so do you just slam a regular weapon or this? And I think there's actually a decision to be made there depending on the scenario. Maybe that decision will be obvious every time because it's just, I need the plus three to get there or no, I want to go shoot that guy. But I'm expecting it to find a mu- obviously a much more easy home in any kind of blue shell because then your little guys do anything <laughs> for that matter. Like their attack actually does something. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's... There's no, and it doesn't have to be on a, like, it's on a target wherever you want it to go. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be the guy that you're punching, which is amazing. Yeah. Now he's ranged in both modes, so. Who is? Oh, Demolisher is only ranged in bot mode, yes. He's one of the negatives. Yeah, he's, that's why I was specifically calling him out, because I think every other tank is range ranged. Yeah, that's one of the negatives about Mm. him. But... I mean, I think you can just, I think you want to be playing this card. I mean, the only, I, I, I there's no negative to this card at all. There, no. There just isn't. I mean, this is, like I said, Armaments was number two, I think, or whatever, or maybe number one. Like, this this is one or two. Right. This is pr- probably one, like, just because there's so many different ways you can combo with upgrades. Mm-hmm. One, one of which we'll be talking about later. Um, yeah. So... Um, whether it's like reclaim, whether it's one of those, like there's just so many ways that you can get back upgrades that are efficient and you're probably playing anyway that like the quote downside that you have to throw this is not even a downside in that situation. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm sure the thought entered my head is that being a downside, but 
we've played plenty of plasma bursts. There's a plasma burst with a pip in basically every scenario where you're going to care. Obviously, you're going to be constructing the deck to ensure that you have maximum chances to throw it. I don't know. I I don't see that really as... Yes, it's a drawback, I guess, but it's not really going to come into play. Yeah, I, I don't know what the situation would ever be that you wouldn't want to throw. Like, I just can't imagine what that would be. Like, where you're just like... Yeah, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hold it or something. I think it's just gonna come down to you can't for some reason. Yeah, like you know. you had to you flip battlefield legend into alt mode to get back a different burn action or direct damage. You play this to make him an eight attack in alt mode because you can't get back, and then you play the other direct. You know, like there would be fringe cases where it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But it's not that you wouldn't want to throw it, it's just you are incapable of, given the scenario. I just don't think I would play it at that point, so... Well, I mean, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. So, that actually was the list of non-mercenary stuff, so let's dive into the mercenary ones, which also have a significant impact. Uh, we're gonna lead off with contract contingency, which... I mean, this is another one that, I mean, it may not be at the level of javelins and armaments, but it's, if you can play this card, meaning you're going to have a mercenary on your team, although you could play it outside of that, obviously, this feels like an auto-include and maybe one of the major reasons why mercenaries are really going to have as big a splash as we're predicting, or at least I think they're going, we're going to see mercenaries at top tables is what I'm expecting. Yeah, I didn't even realize until later on after we first saw it that um, you can give the plus two to anybody if the mercenary is dead. So there's no downside to this at all in any deck that's running them other than essentially it's quote blank. Um, if in a lot of situations as, as pip colors, if, you, if the pierce two doesn't help you. I think it'll, um, well, yes, I think there, you can construct your deck in a way that it will help you more often than hurt you when it when it's flipped. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, I think it's matchup, there's definitely a lot of matchups where it's going to help you also, but of course, um, there's a lot of math where it's still not going to help you, but I, this is just really, really powerful um, because the bounty abilities, by their nature, only have a certain number of times they can actually go off. Of course. So getting the ability to have that ability go off at a more constant rate and at a better time um, where this can, this can do a lot more damage than sometimes than the, the actual bounty ability killing a guy because you can use the bounty ability to do something that will help you later to kill the main character, for example, or the more juicy targets, like you would say. Right. Um, like, yes, it's awesome. Like, you obviously have to kill guys to make the bounty ability go off, so you want to be... But, you know, you want to be killing an easy target, like, whatever their minor character is. But, like, you're still, at the end of the day, probably... You're forcing yourself to use an attack on a character you probably would rather... Like, given an option of kill off this Micromaster character, <laughs> attack the main character, like, just killing off the Micromaster character to get a bounty ability 
may not be worth it. But if you factor this card in to attacking like the main character, now you're getting the best of both. Exactly. And so, then obviously you're you're saving that bounty for later on where you can right continue on to the, uh, produce value. Right. So your opponent at that point is like, oh, well, he's probably just going to kill my guy because he's going to want to get this nightbird ability off to do whatever. I don't whatever it is. Like obviously right. there's scenarios where this will work out in the favor of killing the, the minor character anyway. But um, like that being said, this just opens up a lot more options and hurts your opponent a lot. Because right. now, because you just have total control how this plays out, so. Right. Yeah, I, like I said, I expect that we're going to see at least some mercenaries showing up in successful lists, and this is going to be a key component of it for very obvious reasons. And the fact, as you were elaborating on, Scott, or explaining that it's never dead, you would always mm-hmm. just play this, even on somebody totally unrelated. It doesn't matter just to get there. It, this card could have easily been super terrible. Like, it, <coughs> a, a, some very minor changes in this card would have probably been awful. But instead, it, it seems like it's going to be an auto-include in every mercenary build. Yeah, no matter, like you said, like no matter whether the character is your main, whether it's your minor. I mean, the way I look at it is basically it just says, plus to attack and do the bounty ability. Yep. I know there's the thing where you have to do four damage, but like, I mean, you, you could easily have that. Happen. You should be doing the four damage. You're right, clearly not going to play it if you're not going. You to. just don't play right. You just don't. Yep. Happen. I think you're just wasting it. So, right. Once your character is going to absolutely just get killed, you just have to get lucky. But, um, I just can't imagine that's going to be the situation. Like, any of the decks centered around the mercenary character or character should. I mean, this is the reason why you're probably doing that, and then. Like you said, like even if it's your your minor character to get some of the cards we we'll probably talk about later, um, it's still worth it in my opinion. Yep. So let's talk about one of the other mercenary additions in dual wield, which, if nothing else, it provides such a unique ability that I expect we're going to see a lot of it initially in the life cycle of the meta. I expect we're going to continue to see it in some capacity at the very least, simply because, well. I've had I've had turns with things proxied up where it's like play armed hovercraft, recur an armed hovercraft, which doesn't sound spectacular, but you're still photon bombing their board. Right. Like that still seems okay. Uh and that's not even necessarily the high end that you can do, obviously. Every somebody's gonna live the dream and go energon axe into energon axe or something like that. Um, or having one already and then do other stuff on top of it. Given that a number of the mercenaries are ranged, hence the armed hovercraft example, it, this feels like it, it's again going to have to have a home just because of how unique the ability is. Yeah, and I, I think part of what I part of what we tend to forget is that technically this can go on anybody also. Like if you just have a hand that's like, I'm not gonna play a second weapon on my guy because he already has one, like you can just play dual wield and give that guy um, the ability to hold a second weapon. You just don't get the weapon back from your scrap pile. So it's right. obviously you have to have both cards in your hand. And like I guess we we're we're tending to think of a later game scenario where you draw this off the top. So like you get your play like on the mercenary. It's insane. So like on anybody else, it's just like you have to have the weapon. But like that doesn't seem that hard to engineer. Absolutely. Um, so even it's it's never again never a dead card. 
in a situation where you just want to totally suit up a character, it just becomes like a like a new designs. Well, not really. Is it now? It just gives you the ability yeah. to have another one. So you have to have a weapon. But right. Um, what I like about it is for other characters, for example, is like you don't usually want to like play a and like an enforcement batons replacing like a real weapon if you mm-hmm. are given the option. This gives you that option. Right. Yeah, so the utility are, aspect is going to be interesting. Yeah, there are fringe scenarios where, like, this is just good based on the card you have in your hand, and, and it shouldn't be that hard to engineer. I, I think the green weapon scenario is probably the one where that this will see the most, like, universal play. It still has to be in a mercenary deck, but can help out the other characters just because you're like, ah, I have this extra weapon, and my mercenary's dead, or I have this extra weapon, and... and Whatever I just want this guy to do something because it's probably you know one of those other random characters otherwise is attacking for like one so suit him up and get in there for something decent. So after I kind of thought about those types of scenarios, I I I just have been auto including this as a three of again in my mercenary decks or mercenary Mm -hmm. featuring decks because I can just see scenarios where it's going to come into play often anyway. So I guess the only downside, again, is that both these cards are double so you're not slanting yourself towards one color or another, and it's taking up a lot of space in your deck. Yeah, that um, is going to be a concern going forward, but I'm sure that'll work itself out as we right. play test more. Right. So other than that, there's no... There's no... And, and like, obviously, this is insane on Mercenaries. Like, totally insane. Yeah. So... It, it's going to... It God. It doesn't cost you your upgrades play so you get to play a second weapon so yep you don't have to have the weapon there so i mean it um, in that scenario i guess it's air quotes new designs but since you get you're gonna have a much wider or you should have a much wider set of options because of the way this game works and putting cards into your scrap pile you can choose the best thing as opposed to just whatever you happen to to randomly draw off the top in conjunction with the new designs. Right. So, I mean, yeah, the only thing I don't know, and this will have to be ruled and this is not part of that rules thing. Like I don't know when you actually, so does the weapon you get back, is that like the one you're holding quote in your offhand? So that's the one that has to go I was thinking that earlier. So (laughs) I think what's going to happen is actually, I could see it going either way where it's you played a new weapon. So when they consolidate into one slot, the new one, like the one that went into that extra slot has to replace the old, or it could be it's existing in an ethereal weapon slot. So then that's the one that has to die. I could see it going either way. It probably has to be like the one you play. This matters more on the mercenary side because I guess they, it happens at the same time, so it has. It's probably it. The one you get back has to go in the extra slot that eventually goes away. So mm-hmm. I just don't know um, if they're going to consolidate and then the new the the extra pushes out the old or vice versa. Yeah, like if you play this when you have no mm-hmm. weapons, can you put it in the first slot and then play something else? In the slot? Right. So if it, it right, you probably can do that if you so if you have no weapons. You could probably get the best of both worlds. Just put the permanent weapon that you get back from the scrap pile in the 
yeah, the other one normal slot and put the one from your hand that is white and puts on ranged characters and gets to throw for two damage in the other slot. Either and then it doesn't matter. And, yeah. and then you're fine. Right. right. Yeah, if you have no weapons, that's how I expect it would play out. It's just in the scenario where you played an armed hovercraft last turn. Right. You clearly would rather get rid of that than whatever the other thing is in most cases. Which, so, Which I think probably won't work out well for you. Yeah, I'm I'm expecting to that that's going to get the underpowered ruling, if that makes sense right. to everybody out there listening. Right. Um, so, anything else for Dual Wield? I th- I'm excited about the, well all the mercenary cards, but this one included. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, other mercenary action that I'm very excited about is Opportune Offensive, and that is the Decepticon one that is... It, again, just does a lot of stuff. It has, I guess, a lot of pips. It also only cares if the mercenary was on the team. So you you can't use it to buff your mercenary, but you're... I mean, the obvious thing is, is Octane. He's big. You make your other guys relevant. Like, I I keep coming up with different things, combinations where it's hey, these Decepticons that have cool abilities but would never get there, now all of a sudden they have the option to get there against any type of deck because it's the stapling a leap onto a surprise attacks and then giving you this. For very little downside other than you have to play it on Decepticon. Like, I mean, you wouldn't play this without a Mercenary. So, like, it wouldn't, yeah. you know, it just it's one of these, like, Again, we talked about this at length for every, like, numerous card. Mm-hmm. It, this isn't a downside. Like, you just wouldn't be playing the card if it didn't work. So, it would, again, only be a situation where, like, you're playing one of the lower cost mercenaries and, like, two other, you know, one or two other characters in some way, shape, or form are left, and, like, they're purposely picking off the other characters so that you lose the ability to play these cards. So, all you're left is the not, like, centerpiece mercenary and like but wait I, I, <laughs> say that sentence yeah. again slower <laughs> for people who did the not so they're killing off the not important characters leaving you with by definition the important character no no, no you're they're killing off the they're killing off the the mercenary in this situation is not the centerpiece of the so they're killing off the mm. the other centerpiece so you're saying like it's is, it's nightbird plus yeah other stuff other characters yeah so, 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 the other guys are dead, which means you're already pretty much done anyway. And then you yeah. continue, continuing to draw now dead cards because Nightbird's left and she can't use this card. So, I mean, yes, sure, <laughs> that could happen. I mean, but it's sure, yeah, exactly. It that will happen to someone. I'm sure it will. But it's one of those that, like you said, it. It's just salt in the wounds to an extent. It's not a like that. The strategy had already fallen apart at that stage. The fact that these are blanks just is irrelevant because you're probably not going the distance when you're in that scenario. Conversely, if you go with the octanes of the world or the uh, detritus or any of the other high end ones, again, like some of the other cards we were talking about earlier, now your random characters that are attached, they actually do something significant yeah yeah and additionally it's because of the pip combination they do something whether you play it or not because it's entirely possible even against 
certain orange decks that maybe your little guy does goose egg. Right. You, you flip this and a one of the double pips we were just talking about, and hey, that flame war now got in for full damage, technically. Like six, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you flip this and, a, and one of the double pips as, oh, sure, as your combat sure. flips, yeah. yeah um, sure. But in, in other scenarios, yeah, if you played this and you did that, yeah, you feel great. Right. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. I... <laughs> it's not quite the disparity of press the advantage and bad attitude, but I definitely like this one significantly more than the Autobot one. Uh, agreed. I mean, this is a reason to play Mercenaries with Decepticons. Like, I, I, it's almost like it's almost like they're telling you to because of how powerful this is, right. in my opinion. So, I guess thematically yeah. it makes sense. I feel like, I know Drew had expressed in a number and stressed the idea that both sides are going to go to great lengths, but I could definitely see Team Purple reaching out for that sort of thing before the red team does. Yeah, I think I, of the characters I know that are mercenaries, I tend to have placed them in the Decepticon camp, but right. I'm not sure that's actually true, because I don't know some of them like Detritus, so, which I think he's a Junkion, so I assume that's more slant on the Autobot side at some point, but I don't know. Sort of, yeah, and then yeah. I think somebody in chat had mentioned that Mudflap, who has traditionally been an Autobot, I guess in some continuities, had, had gone rogue or a wall or what, however you want to look at it and became a mercenary so i think he's the only one that would have been i guess officially branded on one side or the other like on, the, on that side the latest at the gun exactly right? yeah i'm and, i phrased that wrong and i meant branded yeah. autobot um but yeah octane obviously lockdown like you said deadlock we've already seen him as a decepticon um well but he's also an Autobot also. But. Well, yeah, but he's no longer Deadlock then. Right. Fair. <laughs> if, you, if you change your name, it all goes away. <laughs> um, Nightbird, and, Nightbird and I don't even think... She was nothing in the way I know her, so I, I mean, don't I, know what else... I guess because she fought the Autobots, so I... I don't know. Yeah, that one... That, I guess, would be a true mercenary, very neutral. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, like you said, this is... Feels like it's a very strong helping hand to say, hey, uh, how about those Decepticons? <laughs> yeah, I think the only key for this card is that you pretty much just, like, if you draw it, you have to play it because you guys just might be dead. So, like, you, you just want to play this early and often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine any turn in which you could play it and you had a, a target for it, it's probably your best action for that turn in a lot of scenarios. Yeah, likely. So... Sure. Um, so those are the three mercenary cards. Was there anything else that I missed, Scott, that you wanted to, to cover? Any ones that you didn't have on the list that you wanted to, that you thought of afterwards that you feel deserve a call out? Uh, the mercenary repair card is good. Um, it's just more niche. I think it's, it's the obvious combo is with, um, with safeguard characters. Mm. Um, there's just a lot of other cards that I think have been pushed out by by some of the other battle cards. Like we talked about, um, you know, Armaments is just better than the Tough 3 Secret Action. Um, Which it may just end up in conjunction with it because redundancy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, there, there are certain niche scenarios like we talked about with Springer with the Trouble Changer. Uh, utility, for example. Yep. Um, there, there, there are certainly 
some some more niche ones that we'll probably see play in the specific decks, like Head on Collision, uh, Kinetic Whip, um, the some of the you know can only do can only go on Decepticon, cannot right. things like that. Like there, you know, there are a <sighs> lot of playable. Both characters, I, I guess if we move into thoughts on the set as a whole, both characters and, although I'd lean towards characters getting the, I guess, the larger share, characters and battle cards both that are going to have drastic implications either on existing builds or whole cloth creating new ones and then shaping everything around them because there are too many cards that either have a lot of good text, like just a ton of good text, or they just slot so nicely into existing things. It just, it feels like there's a, a lot of, of high density of strong cards in this set overall, I guess is the most concise way to put it. Agreed. And I agree. It's, it's heavily slanted on the character side, but at the same time, I mean, I guess arch typically like it's a very blue centric set. It's it's definitely slanted more on that side. Um, I, I think some of the ones we talked about today can form their own archetypes from scratch, like tanks or overwhelming advantage. If we read these rules and understand them, and then it mm -hmm. works out in the favor. Um, All the mercenaries. Although I guess that's kind yeah. of in conjunction. Like the mercenaries themselves are good, but it's also by virtue of being a mercenary, you get access to this additional card pool. So it's kind of tough to separate those two. I think their card, their battle card, better than the characters. I think it works in concert well with certain ones of them. But I, mm -hmm. I think the reason you are playing mercenaries is to get access to these battle cards. Yeah. Uh, um, it, which is like, like, are you playing tanks to get composite armor? Like, I, I don't know. But, like, it obviously helps. Like, you know, like, it's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, the, um, like you said, the tanks are strong. I don't know if I'd necessarily be reaching for these. Well, Lord Megatron has very unique qualities that could make a deck on its own. But I don't know that I'd necessarily be reaching for Impactor without Composite Armor. He definitely does some unique things. But I could see... I don't know. I, I don't want to say he feels understated because giving your team bold one is strong. I don't know. That that, that one's kind of close for me. Yeah. Um, like, I'm not playing, like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just playing Sabotage Armaments. So, like, huh. there's nothing I'm, that's not leading me in any direction other than right. it's really good. Um, <laughs> it's leading you in the good <laughs> cards direction. <laughs> it's it, it's leading me in the blanking my opponent's entire turn direction. So. That seems okay. Um, like I'm not, I was already playing. I've heard range. Orm's chant is okay. <laughs> like I, I was already playing similar ranged characters to what Javelin provides anyway, so it's just pushing that even more mm -hmm. and pushing the territory of like it, how much room am I putting in my deck? So like, at this stage, so they tribal wise, and this is kind of a digression, but there was a, a first party write up recently, last few weeks that was talking about it may have been in the javelin reveal where they were talking about th what the different tribes get 
And Javelin, it, was a, yeah, it, it, was, yeah. it would logically make sense if it was that one. <laughs> um, yeah. And Javelin, you know, fits in the range theme of they get direct damage and they get to do these out of combat things. And uh, the specialists get to do all the weird catch-all stuff, I guess. You know, they, extra, extra phases. Yeah, they get to do extra things or um, mm-hmm. free stuff, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like Melee's getting a little left behind here. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I, I, I at the time where I assumed this set was being playtested, a lot of the characters that were seen playing aggro decks were melee, so to push push them up even more would have just been like Oh I I definitely get it. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it's just now we're X amount of time wiser, all of us collectively, and we're seeing, you know maybe body armor's not cutting it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think they said that melee is supposed to just get better in combat stats, and I'm like, I don't know if that matters when you can do it out of combat just as efficiently, so... I mean, to be fair, one of the premier aggressive characters in Wheeljack, his attacking mode is melee. So I guess I can see it where you're... It's attached to the card already, Mm-hmm. I don't know that's if right. I would have mentally made that, like, without them saying that, that I would have said, oh, well, that's a melee guy, so that's why he's better in combat. Now that they've said it, obviously, I'm going to be on the lookout for it, but I don't know that I would have recognized that. Otherwise, I would have just always said, well, how come there are no melee stamp cards that are any good? Yeah, I, 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 think, it, I think it opens designs, you know... If we see like a melee based action that's not tackle, for example, um, mm-hmm. it would say like you know I don't know give a melee character plus four and right or like plus three and the grimlock ability um, things like that that I think would be direct in combat effects as opposed to like oh you know guys that are melee stamped just have a bunch of better attack and have bold. I think that's probably like when you're creating the characters and the battle card at the same time and laying them out, you would see these things like you said, but yeah, that's not, we're probably just not quote looking at it correctly from that lens. Yeah. And I, I think that's exactly, at least in my case, I know that, I mean, I said it, it, Yeah, that's exactly how it would, would have shaped up for me in the absence of this information. Now that it's a very, a known variable out there. I can consciously be aware and be like, oh yeah, well that makes sense that we had armed hovercraft versus Energon slingshot because Grimlock and Wheeljack are already gigantic. I mean, understandably, we can't just give them a an orange leap that also has another plus positive ability because it would probably get nuts. But uh, it does feel like from a battle card perspective that they are being left out, even though in the grand scheme of things, it's probably even. Yeah, I think your Wheeljack example is very good. Like, he does specialist things in the car mode and does melee things in the the bot mode. And at the same yep. time, like, character like Barrage is the same way. Like, doesn't really do anything in the in the range mode, but at the same time, the melee mode is just a way better. Right. Uh, so, uh, it, I think pretty much only Battlefield Legend is the way that that isn't working out. Um, well, to be fair, is- I mean... You know, <laughs> there, so, there's, there's going to be one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of there's not that, as many characters think that actually. And like, Demolisher is another great. He's way better attacker in the Demol in the melee. Mode. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So clearly that's the case. So yep. we're just we just need to look at it from a total picture perspective, I guess. Like yeah. You said. And it's good that, again to bring it back to one of the things I mentioned earlier when we were discussing some of the uh, non-reveal related topics that I appreciate the the openness from the team because I can say with confidence I probably would have never at least not in this lifetime put that together. Uh, maybe everybody else out there was very obvious, but those sort of things are cool to see because then it's like, oh my God, it's right there. It's like right in front of your face. How did I not see that? But it is cool to get that peek behind the curtains. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, that closes out the reveals. And I guess any other thoughts on the set as a whole? I know we were just talking about that, but like anything specific that we missed that you wanted to make sure got out there? No, um, we'll be talking about like the effects of this for the months. So yeah, we're good yeah, because there, there's something coming up pretty soon. I mean, the, the countdown has begun uh, from PAX itself that they're talking about that it's coming up quick. Um, I guess from a general Vector Sigma perspective, what is or is there an outline that you can share publicly, Scott, for what we're going to be doing leading up? Uh, just trying to have as much content as possible. It's just being pulled in different directions. We just had to prioritize the uh, the tournament over anything, but uh, we're still going to strive to have as much content as we possibly can get. It's just that you know we're only human, so we can only do as much <laughs> as we can. So yeah, I've mentioned it before. Unfortunately, just the way real life works. I know you said you're not a huge fan of uh, the holiday in particular, Scott, but you know, there <laughs> whether it's work or it's real life outside of the game, there are a number of factors that are going to influence. The next month or two, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things hitting at once. So absolutely, we'll including we can, including in just a scant few hours at the time of this recording, a whole bunch of packs to be cracked. Although I heard word on the street that you already cracked some, Scott. Is that true? Yeah, there's pictures of it out there. I know of the, I, of, the, I'm of, the final, of the final of the final stash. I, I don't think you want to watch me uh, opening the uh, the packs. So yeah, um. I, I could probably do without that. I have enough to open tomorrow myself. I'm not really looking forward to it. I've mentioned it before. I hate opening packs. I don't really like any of that stuff. I just want to have the cards neatly sorted and ready to go, uh, <laughs> which if it can do that magically for me, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I don't like the actual act of cracking packs. Yeah, I know for a lot of people that is really exciting. I was just never, I've never liked that in any game. It's just annoying, but to each their own, I guess. But anyway... Yep. Without further digression, because we'll be here all night like we always are. Anything else you want to add, Scott? No. Cool. Everything's good. Then I think we'll close up shop. That's going to do it for covering at least the initial thoughts on Siege. Stay tuned for all of our other thoughts as we continue to delve into the meta and other cool stuff comes in because there are some events between now and the Invitational, including with the new cards. So there's a lot to look forward to. As always, thank you everyone for listening, thank you for watching, and please tune in next time for more Tech Talk. Dan here from VectorSigma.info. We wanted to take this moment to thank all of our patrons for believing in the service we're providing. If you're not yet a member of a Patreon, feel free to click on the link for other podcasts like this one, or verse videos, or any of the other great content that we provide on our YouTube channel. Thanks guys.